Hey there, it's Mike Tramp, and you're listening to White Lion Fever, where rock and roll is still alive like it always has been and it always will be. Welcome to White Line Fever. You've heard, um, um, my name's Steve Mascord. You've heard him on the last two episodes from Mr. Big and Avantasia. It's Eric Martin. Welcome back, Eric. Hey, I'm still here. You're still here. I haven't left. You You're still away, here. Yeah, I've been ringing you once here. a week for three weeks. Amazing. Um, <laughs> um, now, I wanted to um, ask you, I got on Blabbermouth and I tried to get a, a sense of what's happening with Mr. Big and there were conflicting... Ew. Conflicting reports. It was we're going to do an album, but we're not going to tour. We're going to do a tour. We're going to do a farewell show. Yeah. Richie uh, Kotzen's going to support us on a farewell tour. All so they seem to conflict. So what's what's the what's the truth? What's happening? What's the what's the straight scoop? Yes. Well, <laughs> well you know, I, I think I mean, I'm not going to say that things taken out of context at all because it was true. That came right out of my mouth. I was at um, uh, in Nottingham, Nottingham Rock City. And I was interviewed for for that specific thing, and it was. But in the beginning of the interview, I said, "This is my dream. What I would like to happen." Hmm. It wasn't like, "Okay, this is gonna happen." I, and and boy, did I get, as they say, did I get the corn for that one, man? <laughs> <laughs> the guys, Billy, I remember Billy and I think our management. They were like, oh, "What? You're promising all this stuff, and you haven't really talked about." Um, we haven't had conversations about it, which is true. Mm-hmm. But I was just saying, like, this is my biggest dream to, you know, Pat passed away. I didn't, I was I was still grieving, and I didn't know that I was still grieving because I wanted to keep busy because mm-hmm. I didn't want to think about it, about his death and, and what a gigantic loss he was to the musical community. And he was one of my best friends, you know, for over 30 years. I knew him. A little bit before Mr. Big. Anyway, uh, I wanted to come up with like uh, like a handful of drummers that were uh, in, inspired by Pat or Pat loved these drummers, and <clears throat> I wanted to maybe put a, uh, an album together, pay a little homage to or pay homage, yeah, homage to uh, Pat Torpy, and then come up with like a ten-song record, and then we would say adios to our fans, and that would be it. And that was a dream. And then I wanted to have, like, Richie Kotzen opening on the road because I wanted Richie to be a part of it because he's, you know, he's an alumni. You know, he's Mr. Big alumni. So I wanted that. But, you know, <laughs> I'm doing an interview because I haven't talked to the guys in the band since Pat's uh, passing. And I only saw him at... Um, well, I didn't. Yeah, Billy was on the road. I saw, you know, I went to the to the to the funeral and the wake and all that stuff. So I didn't really talk to anybody in the band, and and I was just trying to get something together because I didn't want to face the reality of of Pat's death. And when uh, I think our management basically just said, "Eric, man, you got to stop," because I don't think everybody everybody's still overwhelmed by. Pat's death, and when I say everybody, it's just me. It's just Billy and Paul now, and I took a step back, and I swear to God, man, I'm glad that it didn't happen. And and those couple months, I just basically cried my eyes out because I hadn't. Pat died 
And then a month later, we had contractual uh, we had gigs. We had Australia, and we had Southeast Asia and Europe. And there was there was like no time to. I think it was in shock for all this time. Anyway, what I'd like to see happen for Mr. Big, I'd like us to get together and write a record. I don't know. I would love to tour too, but I'm not going to. Again, these are just my hopes and dreams, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I love lyrics and and I like, like obviously Defying Gravity is a great, um, song for anyone uh, in the middle aged, I guess. Uh, <laughs> if you listen to the lyrics, um, and I just wonder whether that feeling of like defying gravity and of defying aging, whether maybe that's evaporated a little bit with with Pat going because maybe time is actually catching up after all. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, you, you don't take the song literally, mm. or to take it figuratively, or whatever. It's like yeah. it's. There's some metaphors for other things as well. Mm. That time does have a way to catch up on you, but it's also we, Mr. Big, has stood the test of time mm. for 30 years, and you know, and that's what that. I mean, that kind of means that too. You know, we are defying uh, evolution. I mean, look, mm. we look old. <laughs> I look old. I know I do now because I- for years. For years, I always looked like the the uh, eternal teenager, and fans would come up to me and they go, "Oh my God, you look so young!" And they'd get then they get really close and they go, "Oh." <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that's not true. I'm sure that's just a comedy yeah. routine. Well, you'll see. You'll see. <laughs> yeah, like, hey man, I look pretty good, and I still sing my ass off. But um, I I, I know when to um. If Mr. Big decided not to tour anymore and not do records anymore, it would be, I guess it would be bad. I mean, I'd be bummed out that we, we didn't do that, but I also realized that our drummer was larger than life. He was one of the biggest, he was the driving force between behind our band. He sang the harmonies with me. He was my second. You know, he was like my Paul McCartney to John Lennon, you know. And then Billy took the high, and Paul took took the middle and the low. He was my that guy, and he also came up with all those great beats. And he was a a, a huge uh, friend to the fans. He was really nice to him, and he was a really intelligent guy. And he 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 was my liaison between sometimes me and Billy back in the early days would not see eye to eye about direction or life in general and Pat would kind of glue us together and and be the anchor of the band and so with him gone I don't know what to do and we did tour without him and we did all right and um, you know we could conceivably do it but it you know a gigantic hole is missing on the stage so yeah I don't know I don't know what to tell you, and I'm not going to put my foot in my mouth again. Yeah, yeah. All right? Yeah. Eric, um, I had some other questions, but I think it's probably good to finish on that note talking about Pat um, rather than ask you some sort of, you know, trivial, minor questions. No, so, okay, <laughs> come up with one trivial thing, and then I'll 
elaborate on it, and then like get right get back to Pat and Mr. Big. <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead, man. Because 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 I, I I sort of like I feel like I brought the you know like when you're on stage and you're rocking out, and you're singing your ass off, and the next song you explain about what the song is and you bring the audience down. Yeah, that never works. Yeah, don't do that. You know? <laughs> but you that's what interviews are for. That's what interviews are for. So I re- I also liked like um, open your eyes because I think. Um, but again, that's my interpretation of it. Um, and excuse me, I know the album's two years old, but I haven't spoken to you since it came out. So, um, but you know, I like. But but also the fact that we we get caught up in our own little lives so much and we don't smell the roses. You know what I mean? I thought uh, that was that the inspiration behind that song. Is that the message? And do you think the message sort of does get across to people? You know what I mean? I do know what you mean, and that sounds like a pretty damn good um, definition of that song that mm. I didn't write. <laughs> uh, <the> song, <laughs> uh, Paul Gilbert wrote that song. Yeah, but I wish I would have had you to explain what that meant uh, in all the thousand interviews that I'd done before this. All right. Well, see, that's why I wanted to end the interview before I asked a clanger. I wanted to end the interview before that happened. Um, the other thing is, you, when you go out on merch, when you go out on your solo tour, you don't do any merch. I just wondered. Well, I read an interview where you said you don't take merch out. Um, why is that? Is it just too much hassle? <laughs> Uh, because it's when I do solo tours uh, it's most of the time it's not with a band yeah. it's been like acoustic lately and I got this guy David Cottrell from uh, Stone on Trent England Stoke on Trent Stoke on Trent Slash and Lemmy were born there no, 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 check this out Stoke on Trent <laughs> but he lives in a town called Stones all right, so, there you go. Okay. All right. Okay. So shut up, you. Right. <laughs> <clears throat> so um, yeah, it's him and I driving around in a van, or a, or a tiny little Fiat, and you know we got our acoustic guitars in there and our suitcases and all that stuff. And granted, I could bring T-shirts and I could bring. I was I, I was just thinking about this today. <laughs> I have. <laughs> Hundreds of uh, old solo albums, right? Yeah, yeah. That I didn't, that I didn't move, that I didn't get rid of. Destroy All Monsters, and the other one was called I'm Going Sane. <laughs> and they did what they did. But like, I'm, I'm working on a new solo album now with the guys in Aventasia, the two guitar players, mm. Oliver Hartman and Sasha Payet. And I'm determined to do something because I've been threatening for 14, 15 years. But, yeah. I, if it, now that you did it, you little little fire under my ass. Sure, man, I'll take, I'll I'll take another suitcase out and, and get rid of those those uh, those two records. Maybe just give them away. <laughs> well, now you've now you've actually told us you're working on another solo album with members of Avantasia, so that we can finish the interview on that. Can you talk about that? Is that is hey, that you? Yeah, yeah. you you finish it any way you want, man. I'm just, I'm just here looking at my cold burger, but I don't like it anyway, man. I told him. Okay, tell us about tell us about this. Tell us about the solo album you're working on because that's kind of newsworthy, uh, and then we'll have another song. Yeah, well, uh, it is newsworthy because I've been. I mean, I'm. I've been doing, uh, trying to threatening and talking about doing a solo album for so many years. And I couldn't figure out a direction. And when I did the solo albums, 
uh, you know, in the early 2000s, I was in my Foo Fighter stage. You know? <laughs> I was trying to be Dave Grohl, uh, the poor man's Dave Grohl. <laughs> and I realized that it just it ain't working. I, I, what I do best is that I'm a rock and soul singer, so I'm going to have some of that on this new record. And then I also do acoustic soul because I love playing acoustic and I love the, I don't have to compete with, you know, solos and stuff. No offense to your <laughs> rock solo guitar player who are playing in their bedroom right now. Okay, apologize. <laughs> so when will this record be out? You got any plan? Any is there? Is there I don't a know when it's going to come out, but I'm determined to finish it by the end, this end of this year. Right, and and do you have a? Do you put it out yourself, or you got a label for your solo stuff? Or I'm going to get a Japanese label. I've got a Mr. Big Connections. Yep. And uh, I don't know what I'll do. Yep. Um, since it's with the Aventasia guys, and I don't think they're going to sign me because it's a metal. They have their that Nuclear Blast, which is mm. a metal label. Mm. But who knows, man? They could t- take a chance, just like Tobias Sammet took a chance. <laughs> awesome, awesome. And do you record? A, can you record on the road with these guys? You've seen these guys each day. Do you do you write and record as you travel, or do you wait to yeah, the end? Yeah, what oh. we're doing right. Oliver's got a whole setup, and he's just he's got a little Pro Tools kind of thing. And he's just been creating music, and so is Sasha. And so, and I don't have anything out here, but I'm acoustic guitar, and I'll just, you know, write as much as I can. And then when I go home on June 4th, um, I'll have a month to, you know, come up with some lyrics and melodies, and we'll go back and forth. And then when I, we get, we're going to get back together and do festivals all the way up until probably December, mm. and. I would love to record it in Europe, you know. Awesome. Just for a change of pace. Awesome. Okay, we are done now, Eric. One more song. Thank you for your time. Well, oh, one more song? Yep. Oh, well, since we've been talking about it, and maybe after I listen to it, I'll figure out the lyrics, <laughs> open your eyes. There you Mr. go. Mr. Big <laughs> from the Defying Gravity album. Paul Gilbert's finest. <laughs>
back to the program and in very unusual circumstances i'm sure you're all listening in very unusual circumstances and i am about to talk to nick mader of goddard in very unusual circumstances nick i um normally do a little bit of a um a small talk before we start taping but um i guess at the moment the details are of interest to everybody because everybody's got their own story to tell um where are you? Um, what's it like where you are? Um, I take it you're, you're locking yourself away, you're isolating. Uh, set the scene for us. Yeah, g'day, mate. Um, yeah, absolutely. We, we uh, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm just kind of doing what everyone, everyone else is doing, you know, just, just kind of uh, just sitting at home and, uh, you know, trying to... Um, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm lucky here. I've got, I've got a bit of a garden and I've got a bit of space, so it's... Uh, um, I kind of feel bad for, for people that are really, you know, stuck in these, uh, you know, these kind of little block apartments and stuff. So that must be uh, really awful. But um, I'm, yeah, I, I, you know, really just kind of catching up on a lot of paperwork, catching up on stuff that you, know, you know, kind of never have time to do. So that's that's about the only positive I could kind of, you know, um, get from this. Um, and, and yeah, really, just uh, 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 not not of a not that much else that we can do. Yeah, are you? So you're in you're in Switzerland, are you, uh, Nick? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm in Switzerland. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, mate. Is it is it kind of difficult? I guess you got you still got quite a lot of family back in uh, back in Oz. So I guess you're um you you're not just using Skype to do interviews at the moment. You you're trying to keep in touch with people back there and make sure everyone's safe. 
Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I mean, l- luckily, uh, I-, I actually don't know anybody who's um, who's sick. So uh, um, uh, uh, well, family's all good. They're all healthy. Everything's fine. So we're very lucky there. Um, and I mean, I have I have family both in, in Australia and Switzerland. Actually, my parents are, are in Switzerland at the moment, but I, I haven't been able to really see them since this whole thing either because, uh, you know, kind of isolating and everything and, and trying to keep them uh, them safe as well, just in case. So, um, so yeah, just, just uh, yeah, as you said, you know, a lot of Skype, a lot of uh, uh, phone calls and all this, uh, just, just kind of keeping in touch as much as we can, you know. Now, um, a lot of bands, a few bands I've noticed anyway, we're here, by the way, we're here talking about the new album from uh, Gotthard uh, 13. Um, some bands have sort of delayed album releases and, um, there's not a lot of, you know, there's, you see everyone's got more time on their hands, but from a commercial point of view, uh, they've decided to, to, to hold things back and not doing press and not doing, not releasing stuff. What were, was that a band decision to sort of soldier on and do this now? Well, I mean, we, we talked, obviously we, we, we talked about it, but we were kind of right at the beginning of, uh, cause we, you know, we came out on the 13th of, of March. And so we, 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 uh, obviously we talked about it. We, we just, but it just didn't make sense to to push to push the release as well. You know, we thought, no, let's let's. I mean, we, we, everything was leading up to it. Everything was was prepared, and we just we it was you know. And then pushing it, and then to when you know, you don't even know when you're going to be able yeah. to push it to. You don't even know what what you know. It's, there's a lot more uncertainties there. So we thought, let's let's just release it. Um, we we actually we we planned to do a release party, which which that actually got cancelled, and then we were supposed to do a. To replace the release party, we were going to do a radio thing, like uh, on a big kind of with on a stage with cameras and everything, and stream the whole thing. And then that got cancelled because the radio station couldn't; they weren't allowed to do those type of things anymore. So, uh, so in the end, we just decided to um, to to get a film crew down to our rehearsal room and just uh, just stream that basically. And and um, uh, so that was on the on the yeah on the thirteenth of March. And uh, yeah, so we just kind of streamed this thing, and and uh, as our release party, um, and uh, and then ever after that, we kind of we haven't really seen each other after that, you know. And it's uh, we all sort of went went home, and and we're we're all sort of living scattered throughout Switzerland. Or actually, even our bass player lives in Germany, and our keyboard player lives in in in, in Italy. Mm, so yeah. we're, we're all kind of you know scattered everywhere, and and the rest are in Switzerland, but in different areas of Switzerland. So we we haven't really uh, well, we've been speaking on you know speaking and and and. Uh, on the phone and everything, but we haven't really seen each other. And um, yeah, so it's. Uh, uh, but we thought, you know, it's it's uh, at least with the album, it's great to 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 let the album do its thing at least, and and uh, and uh, it, and it's great. You know, we we just sort of hit hit uh, some really good places in the charts this week so we're really really happy about that as well at least some you know kind of some good news for us at least you know but but obviously that yeah all, all the tours have had to be pushed i mean we, we pushed the um, the swiss tour we pushed it to october the um the european tour we pushed to january we still have the summer festivals that are on but i don't no, if they'll happen, um, we're really hoping, obviously, that that we that, that they'll happen, and we're just kind of taking it a day at a time, you know. Um, we'll move on to cheerier um, um, uh, subject matter after the first uh, song, Nick. But obviously, as a rock band, you've got 
people who rely on you for a living, like you know roadies and, and you know all these other people who who kind of are in part of the gig economy, uh, pun intended. Um, um, is that is that kind of a does that weigh heavily on you? Like, how is this sort of impacting on on the business of Gotthard? And, and then we'll we'll stop talking about COVID nineteen after this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean it it affects us a lot because we like as you say, you know, we employ a lot of people and and. Uh, and we, we're actually we're, we're figuring out how to because uh, um, uh, we know that the government is helping as well. So we're 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 getting on to that as well, so that we can help our people out as well, and um, and just basically uh, yeah keep, keep everything afloat. You know, I mean we usually a, a you know a, a touring is is I mean that's the only kind of source of revenue now. Mm. left re- realistically so so as soon as you cut the touring out we uh yeah i mean you know the band the bands you know bands are kind of run like companies in a way so yep. you you're on, you're on financial side so of course when you when you postpone even just postponing a tour to the next year has a huge impact as mm. well you know so so we've uh yeah we, we we're really um we're, we're trying to you know figure out all the little bits that we can do you know uh, at this point but uh yeah huge impact let's have a song what, what can we play uh let, let's go with uh, uh let's go with every time i die
Hello everybody, this is Rod Bumblefoot Thaw. You might know me from Guns N' Roses or not. And you're listening, <laughs> you're listening to White Line Fever. Welcome back to the program. Third part of our interview with Stevie D from um, Buckcherry. I want to thank him for his time. Stevie, when I first heard the name of this band, Josh, Todd and the Conflict, and realised that it was you and um, Josh involved, it, it seemed... Uh, it seemed to have bad portents for Buckcherry. It seemed the fact it was called the conflict, and uh, it, was that a right. was that a reflection of what was going on in the band at the time? And could that have become, you know, permanent and Buckcherry fade into the past? Um, I, I don't know that it made things permanent, but you know, it was a reflection. Uh, Truth be told, it was a reflection of what was going on mm. at the time. Um, we were told that we had just simply over-toured the U.S. and uh, we had to take a break. And it, that came about because the music industry had changed. This music business had changed. So uh, people were selling less records and having the only way bands could make money was staying on the road. Mm. And we had built a great touring business here in the States. So we just, for the, you know, for, for years, we were just beating it into the ground. A markets, B markets, C markets. So um, at that point, uh, at the end of all that, people were tired. People didn't want to tour anymore. People were away from their families. And um, it was difficult. And it was diminishing returns on the touring. So we were told to take a break. We did, and when it was time to get back at it, uh, some people didn't want to, uh, you know, didn't weren't, weren't interested. So, um, you know, Josh wanted to keep touring or keep, you know, working, and um, so he asked me what I wanted to do when these other guys quit. So I was like, I, yeah, I got. I got bills to pay, so, you know, and I love music. I love, I really love what I do. We really, and I'm not saying that they, those guys don't, but, um, you know, I, I, I love what I do, so it was easy for me to make a decision to start from that jumping off point. I, I wasn't interested in starting a new band to keep working. I wasn't interested in starting, you know, like jumping into another band. I love Buckshare. Were those guys happy to stay in Buckcherry from a recording point of view without all the touring? Um, you know, uh, that that didn't come up in the mm. conversation. Mm. I think there were there were some dates that were coming up in a few months from where that we were at that point, mm. and. You know, a couple guys just said, you know, I, I don't think we should uh, play or I don't want to go out and do this anymore, hmm. you know. Hmm. So, um, it, it, it was, you know, like, it wasn't talked about, like, well, do you want to record? You know, recording without touring kind of doesn't make sense for us, hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it, 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 like, music, music, you know, unfortunately seems to be the loss leader for uh, you know and and the live show is where uh, our meat and potatoes is yeah so um, you know like to, 
Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Um, we're running out of time, so if I could ask you about photography and wh- whether you're still doing that, and then when you answer that question, if you can give us a, a third song, please. Yes. Uh, the third song is, this next song is, that song is Boom Man by Soundgarden. Awesome. Um, how about, and, and, and photography for me, uh, I, I had to take a, a break because I was just doing so much writing and producing at that point. Uh, uh, three years for different projects and uh, so I didn't have time. I was shooting editorial for a magazine. I was doing my own, did a couple books and uh, so it wasn't until this tour where I actually had some time on the road to pick up the camera again and I shoot film so I would, uh, you know, load the camera and then go out for a walk. Uh, But, you know, even still with my role in the band uh, having changed, um, it, it's, it's, uh, you know, I'm still having, uh, uh, not a hard time, but, um, finding time to, uh, get out there and get motivated, inspired. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm back in the game now.
Stevie D from Buck Cherry, and you're listening to White Line Fever. Welcome back to White Line Fever, second part of our interview with uh, uh, Cameron McKenzie from the soon-to-reform Horsehead. Now, um, in the last, the, the, uh, a bit confusing for him, but for the listeners, um, the, the interview's diced up and used in three different episodes. So in the last episode, you talked about um, wanting um, uh, basically, t- you know, fuck the establishment and being, being um, you know, kind of... Um, being like that, being rebels as, uh, as, as a, a new band in the early 90s. I just wonder how you look back, Cameron, on the career arc of the band and, and maybe whether, you, you know, if you had your chance again, you might make some de- decisions differently. Um, yeah, no, I've never, been, I've never been one to regret anything. Um, and I don't know that there's, there's no one decision that you make in the course of your life that's going to change that, that, that much. It's like it's a collective mental process and you, you can never sort of go back and think, oh, I would have been different because you didn't do that. You did what you did, right? Yeah. And, um, and, uh, and uh, we, were, we were always going to be an incredibly eclectic-sounding band that was very hard to pin down and very hard to pigeonhole and I don't think that worked in our favour. Mm. Um, and we had elements in our music that were of music that had sort of seen its day and gone and there was a new sound and we had elements of our music that was kind of no, you know otherworldly I think mm. and um, and so uh, we were very hard to kind of put anywhere and you know when we were talking about you know doing touring in the back of the day and you know Gidinski said to us he said to me you know Okay, bring out Bon Jovi. I want to put you on the road with Bon Jovi. And it's like, no, don't want to go on the road with Bon Jovi. Don't want to be seen as a Bon Jovi band. Mm. I, you know, that's just, I don't know, I didn't want to, probably, maybe if we were asked again, maybe you'd go back or let's just go out with Bon Jovi. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, now that rock is kind of not... We ended up going out with Metallica. Well, yeah, yeah, and they were big fans, weren't they? But I guess, I guess now that rock is kind of not mainstream, a lot of those sort of divisions within the within the various genres of rock have disappeared a little bit, haven't they? Like, you know, like people... Absolutely. It's, it's okay absolutely to like Poison right and Metallica on, yeah. now, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, yeah. And, um, uh, you know, in a way, we were in a time where it wasn't okay. Yeah. Uh, and maybe... And maybe uh, thinking too much like that is not a good thing, but you just couldn't help it because we're all so tribal in our different in our different areas of rock. But yeah, you're exactly right. Now mm. it's okay to like all sorts of different things. Yeah. So you know, maybe we're just 20, 20 years too early. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The pig-headedness of youth. Let's have another song. Okay. What do you want to listen to? Do you want a heavy rock song, or do you want Always. something kind of? It's up to you. It's up to you. It's up to you. <laughs> All right. Why don't you play Shine? Look, I'm tired. I'm weak. And I'm sick of trying to figure out your mood. My mood. And no, I don't want to speak.
Hey, this is Dizzy Reed. And I'm John Stevens, and we're from the Dead Daisies, and you're listening to White Line Fever. Yeah, rock and roll. Welcome back to the program. Uh, it's the third part of our interview uh, with Kurt from Metal Church. I want to thank him um, for being with us. Now, I read a story um, before I did this interview suggesting that you'd done a sort of softer rock solo album. Can you enlighten us on that, Kurt? Oh, yeah, I've done two of them. Okay. Um, yeah, I did two of them back in the early 90s. Mm. And, was it early? No, late 90s. 97, 98, or did uh, just one album called Vanderhoof, which was very 70s rock kind of thing, very melodic, very, you know, just lots of Hammond organ and stuff like that. So just called Vanderhoof, and then we went out and we ended up touring Europe with Sabotage. And uh, then I put out a second record called A Blur in Time, which is kind of the same direction. Hmm. Uh, but unfortunately, the band thing kind of fell apart. Yeah. you know for various reasons but yeah put out two solo records and i also have another band called presto ballet yeah. which is my 70s prog rock band mm. and we just put out our sixth album a few months ago yeah no i was aware of um that that solo stuff from years ago but in this interview you said you just finished recording a new record that you weren't sure if anyone would ever hear right. like, <laughs> that, yeah, that's another project yeah what's that all about that's about me trying, well, it's about me wanting to get just some classic hard rock guitar music, mm. which is just in the, in the lines of Ted Nugent, Montrose's first record. Wow. Just good old, good old real meat and potatoes basic guitar rock. So, and I wanted a personal challenge where I did everything. I played the drums, I played everything, I sang it, I wrote everything, I produced it, engineered it. And that wasn't out of ego just to see if I could do it. <laughs> and, and it's done. I still don't know if anybody's going to... It's getting closer to maybe possibly seeing the light of day. Um, I'm talking with Rat Pack Records about releasing that awesome. uh, maybe around November. But, you know, it's just a really weird thing. I mean, I like it musically, but if just because I know that I'm singing on it <laughs> is really kind of odd and really kind of uncomfortable, but I have to get over it. At least Rat Pack likes it enough to put it out, so maybe it's okay. So <laughs> we'll see. I'm still not confirmed, but it was just something that I had to do, mm. and I it just created another outlet. It's just real. It's just guitar rock. Sounds awesome. Just riff rock, you know, which <laughs> I which I love. It's the kind of stuff that when I sit down and play guitar, it's the kind of stuff that just comes out of my hands without thinking. So I guess you can't sort of clone yourself, so we'll never see these songs perform live, or will you? <laughs> we'll see. If people like the record, and if I'm not too embarrassed, then yeah, I'd love to play live. That would be that would be a real experience. <laughs> wow, wow. Um, I wanted I wanted to ask you, you know, um, you know, obviously, as you say, you you love um, production and you produce and engineer all the Metal Church uh, albums. Um, when you decided that you wanted to become proficient in that. What was the process like? What did you have to learn? How long did it take? Did you have someone to guide you through it? Um, Well, as far as the studio engineering was concerned, that was a lot of trial and error. That was learning, you know, just buying a basic, you know, spending a chunk of, you know, at the time, it's quite a bit of money because it was old school. You know, buying, you know, I bought a 16-track tape machine, you know, a small console, and just the basic, just some basic stuff, and just started doing it. Mm-hmm. Started learning and reading and talking to engineer friends of mine, you know, like 
like Terry Date and some of these people and talking to them and, you know, people that I had worked with over the years and just learning everything I could and just trial, trial. I just learned by doing. Mm. And I, so I, you know, when I left the band, I put together my own recording studio and I just started working. And I started then, as far as the writing and songwriting is concerned, that's something I just kept doing and kept doing and kept doing and kept doing. And I still am striving to be good at that and still striving to write, you know, the Sergeant Pepper or Dark Side of the Moon or whatever, you know, still striving because that's like an unending challenge. Yeah. You know, that's why I, that's why I do different kinds of things just to see if I can do it and just to expand my, uh, you know, abilities, you know, whether I fail at it or not, I don't really know, but it's just a matter of really just really trying to expand, you know, my creativity and being as creative as possible. So, so are you a, you seem like an inquisitive person. Would you like to eventually direct and edit the band's videos as well, or is there a limit to uh, your curiosity? No, I'm not really. That has never really kind of occurred to me too much. Yeah, I'm not a big video guy. Yeah. You know, I know they're kind of important. I but to me, I find them kind of to be a nuisance. Mm. You know, <laughs> I'm not an actor. You know, and I but at the same time, I mean, I love live videos of bands that I like. I love yeah. you know. It depends, you know. I, and that's not really something I'd like to do. I do do the artwork a lot of times, yeah, uh, which is a lot of fun. I really enjoy doing that. Um, but as far as the video is concerned, no, not really. I mm. maybe would consider having some of the equipment to do it, so we could do it ourselves and just see what happens. Yeah. Again, you can buy software and everything's just like the recording process. Mm. You can, you know, you can buy the software and equipment fairly affordably nowadays to do actual high quality videos you know drones and cameras and all that stuff now so mm. you know but i haven't really gotten into that yet i mm. do want to start doing the artwork for my albums i want to start doing that more analog and mm. i'm doing a lot of airbrushing now and practicing and working on that so i can do it really old school mm -hmm. it's it's uh it's a blessing to be able to earn a living being creative isn't it it's a blessing oh man it is it <laughs> really is and the fact that i get to live and do it yeah. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. It makes me you know God is good. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for your um, thanks for your time there, Kurt. I really uh, appreciate it. I was going to ask you, you said God is good. I was going to ask you about Metal Church's relationship with the actual church, but we've run out of time. So we'll save that for another interview. Um, let's have, a, let's have a, a final song. Oh, boy. Let's, uh, how about uh, Badlands?
Kurt Vander from Metal Church, and you're listening to White Line Fever. Okay, welcome back to the program, and a very, very special guest. Uh, been uh, really keen on this band since uh, since I started, and it's great to finally have them on the program. From the wild, it's Dylan Villain. How are you, Dylan? I'm doing well, man. How are you doing? Yeah, doing my best, doing my best. Um, now we're sort of cutting together a few different interviews uh, for this episode, and uh, I guess it's the sort of a COVID nineteen episode where we're talking. Uh, we'll try to limit it to the first part of the interview, but just talking about the impact it's having on everyone. And um, I guess for you guys, uh, a new album out. Um, still believe in rock and roll. Uh, timing's pretty bad for you guys. Yeah, it's um, <clears throat> it's definitely not something that any of us could see coming. Um, what kind of makes it, you know, the most uh, frustrating part, I think, about it is um, knowing the momentum that we had building going into this album cycle between, you know, the last record coming out three years ago and, um, you know, being able to tour a record for three years is indicative of itself um, and it brought us all over the world um, and, you know, building up all the, that fan base and all that momentum, like I was talking about, leading into this record and, you know, working our, our asses off to finish the record on time so that uh, we could have it out in time for the first leg of the European tour, rolling into the North American tour and then back to Europe in, uh, in June after all of that. Um you know, to have that taken away, all that momentum taken away, is really what stings the most. You know, for for a band like us, it's um, you know we've bought we've always uh, bartered so much of who we are as a band on our live show because we know we're a good live band, and if you you like our band, that's cool. But if you see us live, you'll love us. So you know, to have all that taken away from us in the midst of releasing an album has been uh, it stings, man. But you know, at the end of the day, we've. We feel like we've given um, the fans and everybody out there a really great record to listen to. So when everybody presses pause on life, they can press play on this record and forget about the world for a while. Good line, good line. Um, and you're also um, um, streaming, you're not just streaming shows, but you're actually going to stream your setup for a show. Uh, you know, the, the, the sort of uh, the stage, uh, you know, the laying of cables and all that sort of stuff. Can you tell us a little bit about that? I, I read it, just read about that. Yeah, we started to do that. Um, originally, what had happened was we had scheduled to do this live stream um, show on the 21st, and uh, some of the guys on the crew got um, they they don't you know I, I don't think anybody had uh, coronavirus or anything like that, but just the fact of that being such a a concern, you know, with anybody has any sort of sickness and ailments going on, it. Um, it caused us to get shut down by the CDC against, you know, everybody's rules and regulations they have right now. So we were forced to postpone it. And fr frankly, I didn't think it was going to come back. But um, we were able to put together, um, you know, uh, a crew of people who have been in isolation and have had no symptoms or anything like that. So we're doing it all safe as we can and, um, you know, with the right people. And we started out by, um, you know, filming some of the setup of the, the staging and, and the build of the set for it and uh you know we brought in some of the some of the same gear that we use um on the road here in canada for it and um and, you know just tried to make it a little bit of a you know everybody's been seeing people doing the live streaming and i'm not knocking that at all um because it's great to have any form of music going right in a time like this um but we just we wanted to take it you know 
10 steps above just sitting around with an iPhone. We really wanted to make it something special. So we've brought out multi-camera angles, you know, full mic, full soundboard, um, you know, full staging, full production, lights, all that stuff. So we really wanted to make it something special for the fans being that, you know, they couldn't come to the rock show. So we wanted to bring our rock show to them. Yeah, you, you watch some panel shows now, maybe some sports shows, etc., those that are still going, and the guys are sitting on couches or they're sitting, uh, the, the desk has got bigger or they've pushed their seats out. What about a band on stage? Do you, uh, do you try to sort of maintain the distancing? Do you try to stay two metres apart at all times or how does that work? Yeah, we're lucky that way because it is a, it's an old, you know, we're shooting it in a production warehouse, so we've got a, a ton of room to work with, so... You know, like I said, we're we're doing every, everybody. The whole crew is masked up and gloved, and you know they they go in and they do their part and set it, and then we go in and rehearse, and then everybody's you know arriving in separate vehicles and you know keeping our distance. So, and even on stage, it's the same thing. We're lucky again; it's a big enough setup that we're able to keep that distance. And you know, with all the the bells and whistles of the lights and the loud guitars, uh, it'll it'll make up for the lack of movement, perhaps. <laughs> yeah, you're uh, certainly going above and beyond. I'm sure your fans would be grateful let's have uh, a song dylan what can we what can you recommend uh, i guess one from uh, still believe in rock and roll but you can choose yeah i heard you know from, i heard that i saw i saw on social media that you were a real big fan of uh, nothing good comes easy i don't need no reason because i don't give a shit but you got me under pressure with hands like leather and a fist full of grit. Whoever said that you can't have love never stood in my shoes. I wake up every morning with my back to the wall. I got nothing to lose.
yonder <laughs> and I'm not even going to try to rhyme anymore <laughs> Michael Monroe here for White Line Fever you get a chance come and check us out live we're going to rock your socks off and whatever rock like fuck that's what I say okay <laughs> come on down and rock on 